If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. My wing of the party talks about policy and about issues that will make a difference to the lives of the American people. The uh, Trump wing of the party uh, talks about resentments of various kind and getting even and, and settling scores and, and revisiting the 2020 election. What are the policies for the future? Uh, that was part of his retirement announcement. Uh, Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney, Republican Senator Utah, uh, saying that, yes, he'll not seek another term. And then taking aim at the MAGA folks and then what he would call that wing of the Republican Party. I saw the announcement came out, I guess, at some point yesterday afternoon and then and, and all the back and forth and, and pros and cons on Twitter. Uh, one of the Babylon Bee headlines that, uh, yeah, the Democrats will search for a suitable replacement for Mitt Romney uh, in the U.S. Senate as he leaves as a Republican in Utah when his term expires. Joined by an actual Democrat, that'd be Georgia Senator John Ossoff. Senator Ossoff, thanks for your time this morning. Hey, Tim, good morning. I want to talk about a couple of things this morning. And out of the gate, some work that I know, and we've discussed this before, we get kind of an update on what's going on here. Uh, an effort to, and this is something that matters a lot to matters a lot to everybody, but especially Georgia, especially Northeast Georgia, our poultry industry, uh, big business here in Northeast Georgia, and the University of Georgia conducting research aimed at curbing avian flu, mitigating avian flu, and a big federal push to help facilitate that. Where do things stand? Yeah, I've just introduced legislation uh, with a number of colleagues to strengthen the protections and levels of support available to poultry farmers in the event of an avian flu outbreak. Uh, this follows work I did last year to upgrade the labs in Georgia that uh, research and keep an eye out for outbreaks and develop therapies for outbreaks. And this is something I've heard consistently from uh, Georgia poultry farmers, because when there's an outbreak in an area, uh, it's not just the infected flocks. It's many of the nearby flocks as well that cannot be sold, and it puts a huge financial burden on those farmers. The danger is that uh, if the compensation levels available are not sufficient, farmers will stop taking the risk of investing in those flocks. So that's why I'm working to strengthen these programs, uh, particularly given how important poultry is in Georgia. What's the ultimate objective here? I mean, ultimately, we'd figure out ways to combat, if not eliminate, avian flu. We'd figure out ways to mitigate the occurrence of it happening, and thus it'd be something we wouldn't have to worry about as frequently as we do. Is that the end game here? What is the ultimate objective in all this? Well, it's something that has to be managed, uh, and yes, that requires uh, developing uh, therapies. It, it, it means developing vaccines for birds. It means improving our uh, our surveillance of uh, the spread of avian influenza in both commercial and backyard flocks so it can be contained where it does spread. It also means engaging with trading partners so that uh, when there are outbreaks and there will be outbreaks again, uh, the bar on imports from the United States is not overly burdensome. It's not extended beyond where it's necessary, where there's real risk. 
and it means strengthening and improving these programs that compensate farmers when they're unable to sell their flocks because there's a nearby outbreak. Yeah, because that is something that does happen from time to time, and it's obviously a huge thing when it does. And, hey, China, we're not taking any more poultry from Georgia or whatever the case may be, Russia or some of these other countries, international trading partners. And that, yes, you're right, that does impact in a very negative way uh, some of the producers here. And that, that takes us into a whole new realm. It's one thing to regulate or try to or an industry in the United States or a segment of one. But when you start involving foreign countries, that, that takes us to a new level. Yeah, in fact, I just had a large group up in the office yesterday. Uh, UGA organized a visit, various agricultural leaders. We were discussing the importance of trade to Georgia farmers. What we've seen from some of our trading partners when it comes to poultry is that uh, they're effectively using this as a trade barrier in some cases to protect their domestic producers. Mm. Um, and what they'll do is they will improperly block U.S. poultry imports because there may have been uh, an outbreak in a backyard flock. And that happens from time to time. But the nature of these trade agreements tends to be that it's only when there's been an outbreak in commercial flocks that such restrictions are allowed. Other thing I'd say is just, as everybody listening knows, uh, trade is essential to uh, Georgia agriculture. Uh, I helped to negotiate a significant reduction in India's tariffs on U.S. pecans about a year and a half ago. Well, think about why that matters. That's a billion-plus consumers who can buy Georgia pecans, but they had a 100% tariff on Georgia pecans. It's not economical to sell our pecans to India. Now it is. That's a huge revenue opportunity for Georgia, and and there are many, many uh, Georgia crops and animal products produced in Georgia, where international markets are key to driving more revenues to our state. And speaking of Georgia crops, Senator John Ossoff, I know you and your counterpart, Senator Warnock, Governor Brian Kemp, working and successfully so to get the federal disaster declaration for at least three counties down in South Georgia. There'll be other disaster assistance as well from the federal level. Farmers who were hit down there, the storm Hurricane Adalia of late last month. Yeah, the pecan growers in particular were hit pretty hard. I mean, this has been a, a tough year, uh, the way disasters have impacted Georgia farmers. You had a mid-March freeze that knocked out 90% of our peach crop. Uh, and then some farmers, you know, uh, may have taken as much as 5 to 10 to 15% losses on their pecan orchards from the high winds associated with Adelia. So uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture and, and the congressional delegation have an important role to play. Uh, in helping those farmers bounce back. You know, we can never forget agriculture is Georgia's number one industry. Uh, shifting gears quickly, Senator John Ossoff, let, hypothetically, let's say I run for Congress and the voters are misguided enough to elect me. The day I take my oath of office, <laughs> if you have your way, suddenly I'd have to stop stock trading. This bill that you and, and Senator Kelly in Arizona are introducing, uh, and I think there's some counterpart legislation in the House, uh, members of Congress no longer allowed to trade in stocks if this, in fact, becomes law. My problem with that is this. I understand where you're going with it, but I just got elected to Congress. I didn't stop being a citizen. Well, fair enough, but uh, the, the appearance of conflict of interest and the reality of conflict of interest is too significant in my case. Uh, in my judgment, um, to allow members of Congress to be playing the market uh, while they are um, uh, in office. Members of Congress are privy to all kinds of uh, confidential information. Uh, And uh, members of Congress are making decisions that move markets. Uh, And I think that there is a demonstrated risk that members of Congress may abuse that privileged access to information in order to enrich themselves. And the public needs to have confidence 
that members of Congress are making decisions uh, not to enhance their own financial standing, but to enhance uh, quality of life and the condition of their constituents. So my view is that members of Congress should not be permitted to trade stocks while they're in office. That's why as soon as I took office, I put my assets into a blind trust, and I believe members should be required to do so. I've introduced legislation to require it. Uh, and a good many of them do that anyway, but your legislation, uh, again, you and Senator Kelly would, would require that. Uh, anything beyond that? I mean, legislation is quite a complicated thing, devil in the details and all that. Uh, what might be something else we need to know about this particular piece of legislation? Well, I'm trying to lead by example by doing this uh, as soon as I took office, even though it's not required. Again, I think that the, the, the public's concern that members of Congress uh, are trading based upon proprietary information that we receive um, uh, or are making decisions because uh, there's a hope of self-enrichment is too significant. And there's too many cases where that appears to have happened to allow this to continue. This is really about rebuilding public trust in elected representatives and leaving no doubt in the public's mind that members of Congress are going to be motivated by their constituents' interests and not their own financial interests. Senator John Ossoff, another minute or so here. Uh, the government shutdown, partial government shutdown, an end of government funding maybe by the end of the month unless something is worked out. Uh, the House is doing what it's doing with the impeachment inquiry and the rest of it, trying to bring in some of those recalcitrant right-wingers. How confident are you that we'll get from here to there? Well, in the Senate, we're working in an orderly and bipartisan way uh, to write those budget measures and move them through the process. Um, in the House, there's not as clear a path to getting to consensus. And the reason that this matters in particular is that when you have a shutdown or when you rely upon these stopgap funding measures over and over and over again, uh, for example, it significantly degrades our national security. The Department of Defense can't conduct exercises, doesn't have certainty about what next year's budget will look like, and it undermines our national security. So, you know, I, I try to bring Republicans and Democrats together to arrive uh, at a consensus so we can pass a budget on time uh, that represents the views of uh, a broad base of the American public's representatives. And in the Senate, again, I, I think we're on track to do that, and I hope that my colleagues in the House can do the same. Senator John Ossoff, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Best of luck moving forward. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.